Blog Talk Radio. Enter the zone. The Prophecy Zone. Your end time watchman. Bringing you light in a dark world. Where truth is rivaled with a lie. And the matrix is normal life. Luke 21. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars. And upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. You are now in the zone. So be ready to enter the light or truth about the end of days. So you will be ready for the coming of the Lord. You are in the zone. The prophecy zone. So join us for the next hour as we look at world events in line with Bible prophecy. So you'll be informed and be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Welcome everybody to As the Day Approaches on Blog Talk Radio prophecy zone this is our we're doing a series on um islam and we are going to continue that series i'm taking a little uh detour today well really not a detour but it's part of all this study about um the coming of the world ruler and the messiah so i want to get going today i am so excited to do this show Today we will be discussing about Babylon. Will Babylon rise again? And the big question we're asking today is where? What is Babylon? Where is it going to rise? Who is Babylon? Lots of questions regarding Babylon. Hopefully today you will have a bunch of information and maybe some good conversation about the uh Rise of Babylon and Bible prophecy. This is my first live call-in show. If you would like to call in with a comment or question regarding something I'm talking about on this episode, I know you, those of you who have been listening for a long time may have questions about other episodes or other topics, but if we could stay on the topic, that would be uh, uh, great. Um, I would appreciate staying on this topic, but if you would like to call in, our calling number is 347-826-7088. Now, I've been having some technical difficulties, and if you hear a pause, if you hear that I'm not on, it is because I have been bumped off. I'm not sure if it's Blog Talk Radio or if it's uh, the Internet site we're using or if... Um, it is something to do with um, the connection on whose end it is. I am not sure. But if that should happen, I'm going to bump right back on. Give me a minute. Now, if it's going to be, you know, if I can't get back on, it, there will be a long pause. But uh, I hope to at least get back on and tell you what's going on. So, And when that happens, if that happens, hopefully today it will not happen, uh, I will come back on and it will I will try to uh act as though nothing ever happened. So, let's go uh right to our subject. Now, 
the question is, is uh, where is Babylon? What is Babylon? Who is Babylon? Where will it rise? What, what will be happening on this stage of the events? Now, where will the headquarters of the Antichrist be located during the Great Tribulation? Where will it be Rome, Jerusalem, New York, Babylon, or some other city? Today, I will bring you information gathered from a combination of 10 different articles I have read about the rise of Babylon in the 25-year period since I've uh, started studying the last day's events. I'm surprised to see how the volume of voices have moved away from Rome as the central headquarters to an actual city in ancient Babylon, currently Iraq, formerly the Persian Empire. Now, today I will present to you the arguments for both and call in at any time during these times. I'll see if I can get to your phone call. Uh, hang on if I can't get to you right away because I may be in the middle of a thought. So, now is Babylon in the Bible related to modern day Iraq or is it in Rome? Those are pretty much the two consensus of probably where Babylon is talked about most is is it Iraq or is it a real city or is it Rome? Now these questions can be solved by answering the question of whether or not all biblical references to Babylon should be understood literally or figuratively. Um Charles Dyer says the Bible mentions Babylon over 280 times, and many of those references are to the future city of Babylon that is rising from the sands of the desert today. Now, in fact, next to Jerusalem, Babylon is the second most frequently mentioned city in the Bible. But what is her prophetic destiny? To properly understand, in my opinion, these matters, we must uh, first start our journey by exploring Babylon's past. Since its nativity or his, its birth uh, helps us to explain her future role. I have been talking about uh, Persia, the Persian Empire, the history of these areas, and I'm going to continue on studying the history. I find it very crucial to understand the past so that we can understand not only the history of Bible prophecy or the historical prof prophecy that actually was mentioned that is still about to occur, to, you know, whether it is on our day or a coming day, it's, it, it's crucial, I think, to understand the past so that we can understand our future and present. Now, about Babylon's past, the ancient city of Babylon began shortly after the flood and is an expression of man's direct rebellion against God and his command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's in Genesis 9, verse 1b to be exact. Thus the kingdom of man began in Babylon as a direct act of rebellion against God. Now what is another name for Babylon? Or what was the name back in Genesis 9, verse 1, with, the, with Babel? God intervenes and scatters rebellious mankind by confusing their languages. And thus the name of Babel was given to Nimrod City, 
and that is the first person who actually uh, created the city of Babylon. And he and and <clears throat> excuse me, because God's judgment is upon them in Genesis eleven one through nine. Doctor Dyer explains Babel was humanity's first united attempt to short circuit God's purpose. This first post flood city was designed expressly to thwart God's plan for humankind. The people wanted unity and power, and Babel was to be the seat of that power. Babylon, the city of man's trying, the city of man trying to rise to heaven, was built in direct opposition to God's plan. Babylon was again at the front when God sent the southern kingdom of Israel to Judah, into Judah, seventy, you know, into their captivity. But before we go into all that, I want to uh, give you a little bit more history on the Tower of Babel. Now, taken from an article called Babel, the Center of Unity, I, I saw that this was really central and very important to understand. Genesis 10.8 says, And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. And then Genesis 10:9 says he was a mighty hunter before the Lord wherefore it is said even as Nimrod the mighty hunter before the Lord the Hebrew word for mighty means powerful by implication warrior tyrant the Hebrew word for hunter means to lie alongside that is in wait by implication to catch an animal figuratively men the name Nimrod means let us rebel. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, Nimrod began a mighty, as a mighty tyrant in the face of Jehovah. He was a hunter in a sense that he was implacable in searching out and pursuing men to be, obey his will. The Jerusalem Targum writes, he was powerful in hunting and in wickedness before the Lord, for he, he was a hunter of the sons of men, and he said to them, depart from the judgment of the, of the Lord and adhere to the judgment of Nimrod. Therefore, it is, it is said, as Nimrod, the strong one in hunting and in wickedness, wickedness before the Lord. It was he who attempted to bring together the human race after the flood in an effort to get them united into a nation of which he could become the great world ruler. He was the rebel, the founder of Babel, the hunter of the souls of men. He was the lawless one, and he is a shadow or type of the last world ruler, the Antichrist, who is yet to appear and that is from J. Vernon McGee. Genesis 10, 10 says, hold on a second. Genesis 10, 10 says, <clears throat> and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kameh, in the land of Shinar. This indicates a large metropolitan area 
a complex of cities that would be centered around Babylon, the capital. Um, <clears throat> Let's see. Genesis 11.1, 1, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Here is the key to unity. If everyone understands each other, it is much easier to accomplish their goals. They, are, they all spoke the same language, and the words they spoke were united for the same cause. We all have the same goal here. Genesis 11.2 says, And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. So as they started on their journey, they found a plain and decided to dwell there rather than to journey on further. The city of Babel is the first record of a strong centralized society, a self-sufficient civilization that was no longer dependent on God for anything. The devil was planting things within the minds of people as they journeyed, journeyed towards Shinar. It started with a thought of rebellion. Now, Babylon was at the forefront, was again at the forefront when God sent the southern kingdom of Israel, Judah, into the 70-year captivity in the 6th century. It was this time that God gave Daniel many of his prophetic visions, and Babylon is the first of the four great kingdoms to arise uh, during the times of the Gentiles in Daniel 2 and 7. We'll get to all that late, a little bit later in the, in the show. History reveals that Babylon declined until it was abandoned about two centuries after Christ, although the city of Babylon sunk beneath the sands of time during the past seven, 1,700 years it has begun to rise in the century. Now, Babylon is prophesied to become a dominant force in the world religiously, commercially, and governmentally for in, in Revelation 17:18. Now, this is this is a, a thing that we need to take a look at, and and I see in our day, in our time, that this is actually coming to pass, and we'll go into to that in just a second here. Mark Hitchcock says, when you go back to the scriptures, to the very beginning, that's where after the flood. Uh, that's where the first world empire began. Nimrod built this city. And from the very beginning, some have uh, likened this to the tale of two cities. You have the city of Babylon mentioned in Genesis 10 and 11, and the Tower of Babel and Jerusalem in the first, uh, is first introduced in Genesis 14. So you see Genesis in 10, uh, Babylon mentioned in Genesis 10 and 11, and then you see Jerusalem, uh, mentioned in Genesis 14. And he kind of traced these cities all the way through. Then in Revelation 17 and 18, you have Babylon again. And in Revelation 21 and 22, you have the New Jerusalem. It also says that, it says about Babylon in Revelation 17, this great city that rules over the kings of the earth in the end times. It says that this city is the mother of all harlotry, is the fountainhead of all har harlotry. And when you go back to the Bible, into the very beginning, the fountainhead of all false religion and all idolatry, there was the city of Babylon. History is going to kind of come full circle from Nimrod, the first world empire, to the Antichrist, and the final world empire of Babylon, end quote. 
uh, Mike Bradley, a writer on Old Testament Empire, says this. Back in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, the city of Babylon was the first city where man began to worship himself in organized rebellion against God himself. It was where Satan officially set up his initial headquarters. This, The first official world ruler was Nimrod, and he ruled from the city of Babylon. Most, if not all, of the false religions of this world can be traced back to the city of Babylon. As you will see in the following verses, Babylon is called a harlot because from out of her came all the other false religions that have set themselves up against the one and only true God of the Bible. From these, other false religions have come. Massive, there has come massive persecution of God's people throughout the ages. Satan and his demons have obviously been behind all these other false religions, such as Buddhism, Confucianism, Taoism, Islam, Hinduism. And this I see. I see that that the the Satan in all these false religions, as I've studied many of these religions, um, I could say probably a good portion of them, I have studied them. And you can see a thread of the author behind all of these religions or empires, but these religions. They are very similar. You can also see these in the cults such as Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses in some of the Scientology. You see a thread that you can identify the schemes of the enemy and you can identify the author. And the author is uh, the Antichrist spirit or Satan himself. Now the city of Babylon in the 6th century um, BC was the queen city of the world. And its hanging gardens and multitude of buildings and temples were the envy of all. Yet Isaiah had prophesied its other destruction in Isaiah 13. Now Jeremiah, living about 150 years after Isaiah, at the time of Babylon's greatest ascendancy, also said it would have a sudden, violent, and total destruction in Jeremiah 50 through 51. And we'll go into that a little bit more in detail. Yet none of those prophecies were accomplished in the 6th century B.C. Nor did they happen in the 5th century or the 4th. Indeed, Isaiah's and Jeremiah's prophecies have never yet been fulfilled. Now, when Babylon was taken over by Cyrus the Persian in 539 B.C., he did not destroy the city as some thought might happen. In fact, he restored many of the temples which had been prescribed from uh, from functioning near the close of the Neo-Babylonian period. Now, in ensuing years, Babylon was furnished with even more important buildings. When Herodotus, the Greek historian, visited the city in the 5th century B.C., he found it as a most glorious, in, in a most glorious condition. His eyewitness account shows its splendid situation. Now, he said it was built exactly square, each side being 120 stadia, 13 miles. That's what that means long, with a a broad and deep trench around it. The wall surrounding the city was about 300 feet high and 75 feet wide. 
a hundred bronze gates opened into the city, which was divided in two by the river Euphrates. All of its streets were at the right angles to each other, and many of the houses were three and four stories high. It was a, a gorgeous city and had not in any way suffered the destruction prophesied by Isaiah and Jeremiah. Babylon continued in prominence until a time near Alexander the Great in 330 B.C. Some decay then set into the city, but Alexander was so taken with the political, economic, and religious significance of the city that he decided, now get this, just before his death in 323 B.C. to make it the capital of his new great Greek empire and to refurbish it. So here you have the centuries where where uh, you haven't seen any destruction, but everyone who has kind of came in contact with Babylon thought that they would put make it as a seat of of their empire. Now the this is how Babylon actually had its demise. The gradual demise of the city came when Seleucus, the first emperor of Daniel's kingdom of the north, Daniel's fourth beast, decided to build a new city in the, in a different area than Babylon. This new city was built on the river Tigris about 50 miles north soon after 312 B.C. Seleucus forcibly moved all of the inhabitants except some priests who attended the national shrines to this new Babylon. The old city, from that time forward, began a gradual decay into ruins. When Strabo, the Greek geographer of the first century B.C., mentioned Babylon, he said it was an area where certain Chaldean priests still made observations of the heavens, but there was no population of any account at that time. In the time of Trajan, the Roman emperor in 115 C. Uh, uh, A.D. or C.E., however you want to say it, it was still barely inhabited, but by 199 A.D., the city was reported by eyewitnesses as being completely deserted and in ruins. Babylon then ceased to be. Its remaining walls collapsed, the temples disintegrated, the priests re retreated to other areas. It was all over. Ancient Babylon had by degrees come to an end, some 750 years after the time of Jeremiah. Thus, history abundantly proves that the prophecies of the Isaiah and Jeremiah, which spoke about its sudden and violent overthrow, never occurred. And we have to understand that, that some of these prophecies that are prophesied at that time may look like it's actually talking about, well, some say it, uh, Jeremiah uh, talked about Nebuchadnezzar. They look like that, but it wasn't suddenly destroyed as it was prophesied. And that's how prophecy works. Is sometimes you'll have a, a, you know, God sees things in, you know, his view. And his view is, you know, he has it all laid out in front of him, all happening. And uh, he's outside of time. So he actually sees these things all together and it may sound like that in a prophecy that it's all together when it's actually talking about different prophetic events 
Thus, history abundantly proves that the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah spoke about is sudden and violent overthrow never occurred. But before we consign the prophets to the classification of false fears, we better pay close attention to what they really said would occur to Babylon and when. If one notices that they actually, uh, <clears throat> what they actually said, it can be seen that they were not false prophets at all. So we have to understand that, you know, it might be, you know, look like they prophesied and it, and it didn't come to pass, but they prophesied, they prophesied what will happen to the city of Babylon some two and a half millennia in advance when the shashak of prophecy was to drink the fury of the wine cup of God's wrath. Babylon was the most important city in the world for about 2,000 years. Virtually all scholars trace false religion and world government back to the Tower of Babel. Down through the church history, most uh, Bible interpreters have thought that Babylon was some kind of code word for some other entity, like the Roman Empire, the Roman Catholicism, apostate Christianity, Christianity, and even the United States or Great Britain. However, the city of Rome, I believe, is not the Babylon of prophecy. I am one to read the Bible as a factual and literal document. Why would Babylon mean a literal city throughout the Bible, about, you know, 300 different prophecies, and then, or, you know, verses, and then in the end not be a literal city, city, but all of a sudden be figurative? It doesn't make any sense to me. I believe that just like Israel is always referred to Israel in the Bible, so also Babylon always refers to Babylon. And so if you know, and some I know that see the Bible literal and, and factual and take it that way, do believe it's Rome, but I believe that it is actually a city that is going to rise again. And it's amazing what is happening today, and we'll see that as we go along. Rome has wrongly been associated with Babylon because of an erroneous identification of Daniel's fourth beast with the Roman Empire. The book of Daniel contains very little information about the Roman Empire. The fourth beast of Daniel is clearly shown to be an extension of the Greek Empire of Alexander the Great. It is particularly identified with the Seleucid Empire, which existed from 312 to 165 B.C., now, those who claim that the Babylon of prophecy represents Rome make a fundamental, I believe, a fundamental mistake in interpretation. There is not any evidence in the book of Daniel which will remotely substantiate their claim. In the article, The Role of Iraq in the End Times, Will Babylon Be Rebuilt? And I'm taking, you know, I'm utilizing some of uh, this information from this article, great article, also, the rebirth of Babylon is another article that that is very informative. If you want to find those online, found on Cobblestone uh, Road Ministries. This are in this article it states 
to say that the spiritual Babylon is either Rome or the Roman Catholic Church is, is to grossly underestimate the age-long global impact of the great mystery Babylon the Great. Babylon is the mother of all harlots and abominations of the earth. From her have come ancient paganism, Chinese Confucianism, Asian Buddhism, Indian Hinduism, shamanism, Taoism, Shintoism, animism, astrology, witchcraft, spiritism, Sikhism, Islam, and all the world's vast complex of gods many and lords many that we find in 1 Corinthians 8, 5. Now, I want to give some arguments of, you know, why people feel that Rome is the center of the Antichrist's reign and not Iraq. And here are some of the arguments of those who actually believe Rome is as opposed to a literal city in Babylon. One of the first arguments is this. Many, number one, many prophesy Teacher, prophecy teachers today claim the Bible predicts a rebuilt Babylon since no Bible verses make such a prediction. So they believe that there is no, Bi- there is no Bible verses that predict that Babylon will be literally rebuilt today. Two, the comparison of Jeremiah 50, verse 40, as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall a man abide there so shall no man abide there, is erroneous because it does not take into consideration the limitations of scriptural comparisons. He uses the example of Amos 4.11. I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. There is no record of any city of Israel being destroyed precisely as God overthrew Sodom. Or a total city and all its inhabitants burned up is God is God's statement false? Not at all. God brought great uh, God brought great destruction like Sodom, but not in every detail. So what they're saying here in this is that that in Amos 14 it says that God overthrew some of you has he overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah using that verse saying that um God doesn't always you know you know, it means it figuratively. It doesn't mean it literally in that he is actually using Sodom and Gomorrah as a metaphor or as a, an example of, you know, you're not going to be uh, in existence anymore. So it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to throw down fire and brimstone and he's just using it. So uh, they're saying that, that because uh, believing that Babylon will be rebuilt is a limitation because you you know it's kind of erroneous because you don't uh see that God can mean something else by that. The third argument, such interpretations make no allowance for exceptions. The claim is made that if anyone ever lived in Babylon's ruins, the prophecy was not fulfilled. However, the absolute no-exception interpretation of Scripture is very often contrary to Scripture. For example, Scripture says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, if there are no exceptions, Jesus was a sinner. God forbid. So this is the other argument. It's saying... That is, Romans 3.20 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is an exception because Jesus didn't come as as a sinner. Um, This is set in comparison to everybody but Jesus. So um, 
I find that this is one of the arguments. So we are, I'm just going to lay them out for you, and you can uh, either want to discuss them or uh, see if, you know, you've never heard of that argument or not, uh, or if you actually agree with it. So if you would like to call me on this, the number here is 347-826-7088. Number four, the fact that Jeremiah lived to see the destruction of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and that Babylon reached the height of its world-renowned glory and power is reason enough to render Jeremiah's statements to the literal Babylon of Jeremiah's days, not not a future one. Mr. Vaughn support, supports this argument by claiming that Jeremiah himself named Babylon 110 times in the 265 verses in the Bible where Babylon and God's judgment is mentioned, over half of which are in the book of Jeremiah, means that this is to be interpreted as Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon. It was this Babylon that will be desolate forever and never rebuilt. So saying that uh, Nebuchadnezzar's uh, Babylon is what Jeremiah was talking about, but if we really look at the history and the biblical history of Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar was not completely destroyed. The Medes and the Persians came in one night, and after that writing of the hand of God's writing on the wall to Belshazzar, that tonight your kingdom has come to an end, um, the, the kingdom was not even destroyed. There was not even there was not even uh, any kind of, you know, way of destruction other than taking it over. God gave this city to them. So <clears throat> now the Midnight Call magazine also disagrees with the fact that Babylon will be a literal city. So here are some of the arguments from their magazine. No, uh, judgment upon Babylon was executed some, some 2,500 years ago. The prophet Jeremiah mentions Babylon 36 times in chapter 51 and concludes, and thou shalt say, thus shall Babylon sink and shall not rise from from the evil that has been that will be bring upon her, and they shall be weary. Thus far, the words of Jeremiah in verse sixty four. Archaeological Babylon is quite fascinating, and much of the ruins have been excavated. A few walls were built during Saddam Hussein's administration, but in the meantime, much of it has been torn down as Iraqis scavenge the bricks for themselves or sell them as souvenirs. The original ancient Babylon is is a desolation located in a swamp, thus verse 29 reads, And the land shall tremble and sorrow, for every purpose of the Lord shall be performed against Babylon to make the land of Babylon a desolation without inhabitant. And so, that is one. That is what they're saying. And is Rome Mystery Babylon? Continues on the Midnight Call magazine. In order to qualify for the title of Mystery Babylon, a fourfold criteria must first be met. And this is their four, four, fourfold, if I can say that, uh, criteria. One, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus must be shed in that city. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration, as in Revelation 17:6. Two, typographically, it must be built on seven hills. And here is the 
is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth in Revelation 17, 9, same chapter. Three, the city must be a spiritual headquarters of globalism, not only in merchandising, but also in politics, philosophy, and religion. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. That's in Revelation 18.3. Number four, when the city is on fire, it must be seen from the Mediterranean Sea. No other city can meet this fourfold criteria but Rome. For in one hour, so great riches is come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as tra- trade by the sea stood far off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like unto the great city? That's in Revelation 18, 17, and 18. Those are four points why Rome is considered, the argument why Rome is considered uh, Babylon. It has to have that. And one thing about um, what he said, what it was said in point four about the Mediterranean Sea, the scriptures do not say the Mediterranean Sea Per se, and this is what uh, you know. We have to be careful about is making conclusions instead of just watching where these seas are going to be and what is being said about it. Those who have a literal view, I found in all the articles that I've studied in the in the ten that I have studied, um, tend to agree that Babylon will be rebuilt as a literal city near the Euphrates River. Euphrates River and in Babylonia, currently Iraq, and formerly this Persian Empire. Uh, it's interesting that 20, you know, years ago, like I said earlier, uh, that the most people, when I was first studying uh, Daniel in the book of Revelation, believed that Rome would be that city. I actually uh, believe that too, but as I grew up Catholic, um, I was saved, you know, going back uh, uh, to when I was 10. I was saved when I was 10 outside the Catholic Church through a Baptist, uh, through a ba- Baptist, um, hold on a second. Sorry, I got interrupted there. Um <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, when I was uh, 10, I was saved, by, saved outside the Catholic Church by a woman in the Baptist Church in a Good News Club. It was a repentant salvation for me, and I've never walked away from the Lord since. Uh, when I was 17, I left the Catholic Church, not because I was hurt, not because I was disenfranchised, not because I was not interested in Christianity or religion or my church. I left solely and strictly based on doctrinal differences. That's why I left the Catholic Church. I went to a Catholic high school, and it was then that I started my evangelism. It was then that I uh, learned about my faith because of conflicts I had with Scripture. 
I asked a lot of questions innocently. I asked a lot of questions, and it made gave me more questions about what I believed as a Catholic. Um, and, and when I left the church at 17, uh, it really put my family in chaos, in a sense, because I had a lot of relatives who who thought that I would grow up to be a nun. Of course, I. A new difference. So I have no um, uh, sympathies towards the Catholic Church in that line uh, of why I wouldn't think it'd be the Roman Catholic Church or Rome. Uh, it actually conflicted with what I was learning about the Rome being the the Antichrist because. As a Catholic, I, I knew that most of my friends and the Franciscan order in which I was, uh, my school was part of, were generally pacifists. So it didn't really fit with the worrying uh, nature of the Antichrist, the worrying nature of this group that will take over the earth in globalism, not ecumenically, and uh, for Rome being a seat of a lot of false teachings are allowing uh, uh, the combination of of religions to unite as one. I can see the Roman Catholic Church doing that because they are kind of trying to unite. Uh, And this is actually something new because back when my mother was young, if you were not a Catholic, you were not going to be in heaven. So to accept other world religions was not something that was acceptable to them. So I have no sympathies whatsoever to the doctrines of the Catholic Church, and that is not why I would think that it wouldn't be Rome or the Catholic Church. I understand the Catholic Church in a lot of ways, um, but I don't have any sympathies towards that. So uh, my studies have basically come out of what I've uh, learned since that time, now, Dr. Robert Thomas, in his book, Revelation 8.22, in Exegetical Commentary, says, In the future day anticipated in the page of this prophecy, this city will become a focal point for a religious system staunchly opposed to the truth of Christianity. The system will thrive for a time in gaining influence over the commercial and political entities of its time until the beast and the ten kings determine that it no longer has a usefulness for their purpose. For their purpose, They will then dismantle it. The Babylon of Revelation is literally and therefore these pro- literal and therefore these prophecies about her will be fulfilled in the future, perhaps even the near future. And I totally agree with that. I see uh, what is happening and what's going on. So let me show you what is happening in, in our day, in our time, and I'm quite amazed. In 1975, the, the rebirth of Babylon, out of that article, and it was a, a 1975 special prophetic report by Dr. Ernest L. Martin, Ph.D., and revised by David Seleth in 2002, says this, 
the rebirth of Babylon is destined to play one of the leading roles in the end-time fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Its influence will be worldwide affecting all people, yet the majority of people today have little conception of the prophecies concerning the rebuilding of Babylon. The Bible not only shows that a literal Babylon will exist at the end of our age in majestic glory, but it will be resurrected in the same location as its ancient ancient predecessor in the Middle East. Now, let's talk about the Sodom's attempt to rebuild Babylon. Sodom Hussein of Iraq spent over $1 billion on the rebuilding of that ancient city, which will be taken over someday by what I believe by the Antichrist, titled the New Babylon, and made the governmental, made the, you know, and the Antichrist will make it the governmental, commercial, and religious center of the world. Two teachers of Bible prophecy, both who have been to Babylon, Dr. Charles Pack from Tulsa and Dr. Charles um, Joseph Chambers from Charlotte, were eyewitnesses of the fact that Sodom tried to restore the ancient majesty to the city. Even amid all of his self-induced problems with America and the UN, his rebuilding program progressed. Now, it's interesting to note that the first rebuilt structure in the old city was the Temple to the Sun. Now, did you hear that? Let me repeat that. It is interesting to note that the first rebuilt structure in the old city was the Temple to the Sun. That should not be difficult to understand, as Hussein is not really a true Muslim. He wasn't a true Muslim. He... he was from the Baathist party. He claimed Islam, but yet he did not. He, to some, he was a committed Satanist or worshiper of the sun. So he was Muslim for political reasons, but at heart he, he was a sun god worshiper, the Chaldean worship. Babylon, the city, the city Babylon, and the city is to be rebuilt is what he was trying to do for that purpose. In fact, there are books that bear the ancient stamp. It says, I am King Nebuchadnezzar, King of Babylon, King of everything from sea to far sea. But there are new books here, too, imprinted with a different stamp. This one says, I am Saddam Hussein, President of the Republic of Iraq. The fact that Saddam would mix bricks with his name in the, the foundation of the rebuilt city that once ruled the world confirms that he had envisioned them becoming the modern counterpart to his lifetime hero, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. The butcher of Baghdad, as he was called for killing his own people, may give lip service to Muhammad and act like a devoted Muslim, but there is a strong indication that he is actually uh, the worshiper of the sun uh, that he built the temple to. A key is found in the 1975 report of Dr. Charles Pack, who visited the city while it was being rebuilt. Then, for the first time in his life, he started stated he witnessed the worship of, of uh, the sun god at a reconstructed temple to the sun. 
when you recall that Hussein is known to micromanage everything in this country, including that building project, you can be sure that a temple to the sun and through Satan, nonetheless, would not be there without his approval. So he approved that this will, would be built. Now, if uh, it comes down to, uh, you know, the fact that Saddam tried to make this happen and it didn't happen, uh, that this was the reason, you know, kind of saying that, that uh, <clears throat> God was not with it or not God, but that it wasn't going to be rebuilt. Let me let me show you this. Would the fact that he was stopped from rebuilding the city indicate that Babylon would not be rebuilt? Ray Gano, in uh, from Eschatology Today, said this: It is inter- interesting to find out that Saddam Hussein started to rebuild the ancient city of Babylon, and it was in his, it was his intent to actually create the area as a Wall Street of the Middle East. Babylon today is highly wired. They got all this going on. He was turning it into a visitor center or a business center, and then the war took place and construction stopped. The interesting thing is it is it is is that the UN announced that they were going to start working and rebuilding Babylon. In fact, just last November, and I'm not sure what year this was, I think 2003 in November, America jumped on board and they are going to start giving money to the process. It's also said that our soldiers went in and occupied parts of Babylon as a fortress. Or fortress, they are going to help rebuild it, repay, uh, pay for it, and and back in early 2003, Israel in the Israel Today reported that the quartet, and that's being the UN, the US, the UE, and Russia. They all came together and they started talking about the UN actually moving the headquarters from New York to Babylon. And so I don't see Babylon being this. So I do see the seat of Babylon, or being Babylon as the seat of the Antichrist. So because the UN is now taking up the the work of rebuilding Babylon, and this is a fact, even the Obama administration has deposited some money, and I'll show you where that is too. Uh, so our country is actually funding the rebuilding of Babylon. <clears throat> Excuse me. Don McGee in Cross, Crown and Sickles Ministry said this, when you look at what is happening in Dubai and other places in the Middle East, you can see, the magnificent, see that magnificent structures can be built and great cities can be built in very, very short periods of time. So I don't know if any of you know what is happening in Dubai, but they are taking sand out of the ocean and building land to build their cities. And these are going up in in an amazing amount of time. So that is a sign to to us that this is possible. It is possible to raise something from the dust in, in a short period of time. Joel C. Rosenberg in his article, U.S. to Help Rebuild the City of Babylon in Iraq, said this, Largely overlooked by the Western news media over the past few weeks was an enormously significant story. The government of Iraq is moving 
forward with plans to protect the archaeological remains of the ancient city of Babylon in preparation for building a modern city of Babylon. The project, originally started by the, the late Saddam Hussein, is aimed eventually at attracting scores of cultural tourists from all over the world to see the glories of Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia's most famous city. <clears throat> What's more, the Obama administration is contributing $700 billion towards the future of, ba of the Babylon project through the State Department's budget. Amazing. Iraq's finance minister, Ali Abdul Amir Alawai, who told me in 2006 at the peak of, of the insurgency, or <clears throat> cultural, religious, archaeology, and biblical tourism is a big opportunity for Iraq. I think rebuilding Babylon is a wonderful idea as long as it is it is not done at the expense of the antiquities themselves. The Shia-led government of Iraq is actually moving forward with this, uh, this historic and prophetic project. They say Babylon will be reborn. So the Shiite-led government of Iraq is moving forward to, to uh, unite and build the city of Babylon. It will be reborn. Now, what about prophecy? What kind, you know, it talks about arguments of, in prophecy. So what does it say in the prophetic word, in the Bible itself? The dream of Nebuchadnezzar recorded in Daniel 2 should be reviewed carefully. When Daniel interpreted the dream for the king, he recounted the images whose head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, and his legs of iron, but his feet, part iron and part clay, verses 32 and 33. Daniel further told the king that he witnessed a stone cut from the top mountain, which rolled down his slope, hitting the image on its ten toes, on the base of the image. It broke them, the ten toes, to pieces, in verse 34. But not only that, the stone went on to accomplish something else. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, which you know, is believed to be the kingdom of God, and filled the whole earth. And that's Daniel 2.35. Notice a significant point overlooked by so many. Daniel said that the parts of the image, from the gold down to the iron and clay, were all destroyed together. This needs to be emphasized. Daniel said that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, represented the head of gold. And in the rise after Babylon, followed by a third kingdom, brass, then a fourth iron, and finally, there would be a fifth kingdom of iron and miry clay, the Tentos. Yet Daniel said all these kingdoms would be destroyed at the same time. How could this be if Babylon was destroyed in 539 B.C., Persia in 330 B.C., Greece in 323 B.C., 
and Daniel's fourth empire of the Seleucids in, 9, in 165 B.C. Still, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar that all the kingdoms would be destroyed together as anyone, anyone can plainly read in the Bible. So you've got to see this. It, which is the stones, shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. You've got to hear this. It, the stone, shall break into pieces and consume all these kingdoms represented by the composite image, and it shall stand forever. Verse 44. How can the stone destroy the empires of Babylon, Medo, Persia, Greece, and that of the Seleucids if all of them were successfully destroyed in a blib... Can I read my own writing? obliterated centuries ago. This fact has always been a problem with the prophetic commentaries over the years. So, but it need not be in one simply, if we will simply believe all the teachings of scriptures. Now, this is you know, where we have to start. We have to start at this foundation. No pun intended. When we look at Daniel 7, Let's take a look at that, and we'll go from there. The prophet in that chapter is given a vision of four great beasts. The first beast is like an eagle. The next, like a bear. The third, a leopard. And the fourth is a nondescript beast. It says it's dreadful and terrible and strong and exceeding in verse 7. Dan refers to the eagle as Babylon, the bear to Medo-Persia, the... The uh, leopard to Greece and the non-descriptive beast to the Seleucid Empire, which existed from 312 to 165 BC. Now, who is the, what is the Seleucid Empire? At the height of its power, it included Central Anatolia, which is Asia Minor, the Levant. Well, what is that? That. Levant is it means this it's a French word that part of the world where the sun rises the adjoining countries and islands of the eastern part of the Mediterranean okay that's where the Levant is Mesopotamia Persia today is Turkmenistan Pamir what is that Pamir is the mountains I could only find that Pamir was a was mountains, and it was a mountain range in Central Asia, formed by the junction, uh, by the junction or not of the Himalayas, Tian Shan, Karakoram, Kunlam, and Hindu Kush ranges. They are among the world's highest mountains, and since Victorian times, they have been known as the roof of the world. A probable translation translation from Persia. So that is gives you an idea of what some of this all means. So <clears throat> so the height of, of its power included Anatolia, Levant, Mesopotamia, Persia, Turkmenistan, Pamir. Um, it included um, yeah, that was pretty much what it it included uh, part in parts of Pakistan. That is the one thing it was. So the the ten horns are equated with the ten toes of Daniel two, and they will be in existence in the end of the age. 
Let me take a drink here. <coughs> Daniel describes a little horn which will arise from the final ten horns. He beholds this little horn prospering till horns, uh, till thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow. Verse 9. This little horn exists along with the other ten horns up to the establishment of the God's kingdom on this earth under Christ. The little horn, which will be destroyed by Christ, I beheld then because the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame in verse 11. The little horn and the ten horns kings, that's what that means, which came from the fourth beast are destroyed by Christ at his coming in Second Thessalonians 2, 8 through 10. <clears throat> now notice a very significant statement by Daniel in, in the verse immediately after the verse is speaking about the little horn's destruction at the second coming. Notice verse 12. As concerning the rest of the beasts, which would be Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and the Seleucid Empire, they had their dom dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Daniel categorically states that all these beasts in Daniel 7 will be in existence at the second coming of Christ. Their dominion was taken away, and this is a fact of history, but their existence is somehow prolonged. Indeed, in the interpretation Daniel gave, he distinctly prophesied the existence of these four kingdoms in a time prior to him. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings, representing four kingdoms, which shall rise out of the earth. Daniel seven seventeen. Daniel saw this vision in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel 7, 1. The ancient Babylonian kingdom, which was the head of gold, was already a fact when Daniel said all four, including Babylon, would were to rise sometime in the future, verse 17. The eagle, Babylon, there of Medo-Persia, leopard, Greece, and the nondescript beast, Seleucid, were pro are prophesied to be in existence at the end of the age. Babylon must emerge once again. Their dominion was taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Verse 12, though ancient Babylon... Medo-Persia, Greece, and the Seleucid Empire had their dominions taken away generations ago. They have been subliminally in existence, hidden among the political states of the Middle East and Greece from 165 B.C. until the time just prior to the second coming of Christ. All four of these kingdoms will once again rise in the areas of their ancient glories. Now, the only one who has been able to swallow up these beasts, um, let's see if I can, have been the Islamic Empire. They have been able to conquer the Babylonian area, 
the medial Persian area, and the Greece Greek area, and I'm talking about Turkey. That religion, Islam, has swallowed up all of these kingdoms. If you want to, you know, I'm, I'm throwing in a, in a curveball here, and I want you to hear that, and I want you to get that out of there so that when we continue talking about Islam, and it might not be today, because this is kind of a precursor to, to where we're going with Islam, and about the talking about where Islam actually has this, you know, predicts and prophesies uh, the coming of the Messiah, things like that. Some of the other things that, that go into more detail of Islam, we have to uh, see this. And, and I'm just throwing in this little hint right here before I continue. Okay, now, what about the Jeremiah prophecies? Well, they prophesy pretty much, I believe, the same thing. The prophecies about the destruction of a literal Babylon on the river Euphrates mentioned in the Bible have never come yet occurred. Now, people who say they have are avoiding all the truths of history. Ancient Babylon was in no way destroyed at the, as the scriptures prophesy that Babylon must, must. Okay, however, the prophecies of God have not failed. They refer to a Babylon destined to exist at the end of the age. This is shown by Jeremiah the prophet. Now, I also believe that Ezekiel talks about a temple that will be rebuilt, a third temple that will be rebuilt in Jerusalem. And it's just as I believe that is literal, I also believe that the city of Babylon is going to be a literal city in Babylonia on the Euphrates River at the place in conjunction where Babel once reigned or existed where Nimrod establishes established the rebellion of man against God. Now in Jeremiah twenty five, all his prophecies about the destruction of various by saying that Judah would become a desolation and an astonishment. This exactly occurred about 600 years before Christ. Egypt was to experience the same desolation in verse 19, and according to Ezekiel 29, 8 through 12, the desolation was severe. For a couple minutes, I've been trying to get back on ever since, so we're going to continue doing what we were doing. So I'm going to start in Jeremiah 25. Now, remember, if I call, if breaking it, just kind of move it forward, or or uh, see if you can forward or to see if I come back on. So uh, in Jeremiah 25, 
Okay. Hopefully I'm right back in here. Technical difficulties. I hope you can hear me okay. So uh, let's get right back in. Okay, Ezekiel 29, 8 through 12, the desolation was severe. Now, Jeremiah then mentions that the Philistines would be drink of the wine of the cup of desolation in verse 20, kingdoms east of the dead. Uh, just just uh, to give you an update that if, if this continues to keep happening every so minutes, I will just do a part two on this particular uh, discussion that we're having so that um, it doesn't keep getting uh, chopped up like it is. So we're going to try it again, but if it keeps going out like every two minutes, then I will uh, do a part two in this particular um, discussion. <clears throat> Okay, so all these kingdoms lost their independent rule back in the 6th century B.C. As history makes clear, the Medes and the others became dominant by the Persians. Actually, not only did Middle Eastern nations see the overthrow of their governments, but Jeremiah's prophecy of destruction reached out to all kings of the north far and near, and all the kingdoms of the world which are upon the face of the earth. All earthly nations were to drink of the wine cup of desolation by the hand of God, verse 26. A world political disruption was prophesied to occur in the 6th century B.C., and it happened. There was only one kingdom on earth which was not then judged with fierce punishment. That kingdom was Babylon. Though Jeremiah mentioned that all the kingdoms of the world would be in desolation by drinking of God's wine cup of judgment, Yet he prophesied that the kingdom of Sheshach shall drink after them, verse 26. Now, notice Isaiah and Jeremiah carefully. Now, we've got to, we've got to notice Isaiah 13 and Jeremiah 50 through 51. <clears throat> now, one of those prophecies was fulfilled in the 6th century B.C. when the empire of Babylon handed over power to the Medes and the Persians. And I'm emphasizing this over and over again so that you can see uh, that um, the power, you know, that, that Babylon is to actually be destroyed again. And thus, that means that Babylon must be rebuilt. These prophecies will happen at the end of the age, and there, mu- there must be a new rebuilt Babylon and the Euphrates in order for God to bring those uh, prophecies to pass. There isn't much proof to demonstrate this fact. Now, notice the second ha- chapter of Daniel.
With a mighty voice he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a dwelling for demons and a haunt of every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt of every unclean and detestable animal. The prophecies of Jeremiah and Isaiah indicate that Babylon will suddenly and totally be obliterated. Babylon is suddenly fallen and destroyed, says the prophet in in Jeremiah 51, verse 8, and Isaiah 13, verse 19. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans, excellence, excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, Babylon the Great, Revelation 18, verse 2. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> History reveals that the city never destroyed was never destroyed in the way these Hebrew prophets predicted it would be, which guarantees it must be rebuilt. As I'm emphasizing over and over again, Babylon declined gradually over hundreds of years, let's remember this, and was never devastated in anything like the sudden conflagration that consumed Sodom and Gomorrah. Through the centuries, of ba- through the centuries Babylon gradually lost influence and population, as the seat of world government changed to the Medes, then the Greeks, and finally to the Romans, who already had established the capital in Rome. We know that Babylon existed during the time of Christ, for Peter wrote uh, his epistle from there in First Peter 5, verse 13. As late as 917 AD, it was a small village. Some of its ancient buildings are still buried under fallen walls, only partially intact, and you can see some of the the pictures I put up on on this radio program for you to view. Some of it is actually uh, the rebuilt you know areas, and some of it is archaeological areas, and some of it is what people have imagined it to look like. Now, I believe that Antichrist will be headquartered in Babylon. If you will read Jeremiah fifty verse 5 in Isaiah 13 and 14 there are many prophecies about Babylon's final destruction that appear in both of those chapters I think that God links all of that together now for example uh, Isaiah 13 21 says satires satires or demons devils and false spirits will dance in Babylon after its final destruction we go over to the rock of the book of Revelation in 18 verse 2 and we read there there that Babylon will become the inhabitants of devils and spirits and Jeremiah 15 says as she Babylon as she has done unto her we go over to she Babylon as she has done do unto her now we go to the book of Revelation 18.6 and we read reward her even as she has rewar- rewarded you and then we go back to Jeremiah 51.7. Babylon has been a golden cup in the Lord's hand. We go to Revelation. Now we're skipping all over the place here. To Revelation 17.4. And we read Mystery Babylon has a golden cup in her hand. Jeremiah 51.7. Verse 7. The nations have been drunk on Babylon's wine. And in Revelation 18.3 we read Babylon has made the nations drunk on wine. Jeremiah 51.8 says Babylon has suddenly fallen. Revelation 18.2, we read that Babylon has fallen. So we're going back and forth in Revelation and Jeremiah. 
Okay, Jeremiah 51, 9 says, Forsake her, Revelation 18, 4 says, Come out of her, my people. One more, Jeremiah 51, 13 says, Babylon sits upon many waters. In Revelation 17, 1, we read, Mystery Babylon sits upon many waters. In other words, there is a lot of ties between what is in the Old Testament that is a prophecy about ancient Babylon and what is in the new new prophecy, the New Testament, that is a prophecy about rebuilt Babylon, which I believe is rebuilt Babylon. I think God tied them together, and we've always believed that those Old Testament prophecies were about ancient Babylon, not Rome, and that kind of thing. So this is what um, a lot of uh, scholars are believing today. Now, Isaiah 13:20 states that the ruins of Babylon are never to be inhabited. The prophets declared of the devastated Babylon, it will never be inhabited, nor will it be settled from generation to generation, nor will the Arabian pitch tents there, nor will the shepherds make their sheepfolds there. But we know that Babylon has, was inhabited for uh, much of the ancient history after the Medes and the Persians conquered the Babylonian Empire. Now, in fact, one writer records that about 1100 A.D., under the name of Hilal, Babylon was enlarged and fortified. Uh, Actually, Hilal is now um, located 20 miles, I guess, east. I can't remember which direction. In 1898, Hilal boasted 10,000 inhabitants. So that wasn't quite, you know, exactly on the spot there, but... The Arabians have long pinched their tents and even built their houses right in the middle of the ruins of ancient Babylon. In 1972, an Iraq Arab military camp was situated just north of the main ruins, still, still within its ancient walls. It was a military secret. There were certainly no fewer than 100 men living in the very area, and all of them were Arabs. Some were encamped near the ziggurat, the Gerot, which modern historians identify with the Tower of Babel, two uh, Bedouin tents of itinerant Arabs, and that's who were dwelling there. A small village called Quarish is located right in the middle of the ancient in, in, of ancient Babylon, directly between the Hanging Gardens and the River Euphrates. This is a very old walled village and mud houses in which about the Arabs live. Old maps show that the village has been there for hundreds of years. There was another Arab village directly across the Euphrates as well. So where it says that that there no Arabs will pitch their tents there, where I'm kind of showing you that right now or in the past that Arabs have pitched their tents there. So it was a specific uh uh, uh, what do I want to say? It was specifically addressing those little camping uh, places where the Arabs are actually um, camping their tent. And so it, it's giving us a indication that Babylon was not destroyed. And an ancient rabbinic rule of interpretation says that when the Bible mentions twice, it means the event happened twice. And that you can, you know, you can take leave it. But um, I'm just throwing it out there for you, 
considerations. I'm not sure quite what I think about this, but I found it as a piece that I thought I'd present to you to kind of maybe do more study about. Now, in both Isaiah and, and, and the Apostle John use the same double verbs to describe its destruction. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. All, all the carved images of her gods has broken it, it to uh, the ground. So I know that when the scriptures mentioning three, it is a very severe um, definition. Babylon destruction will have a drought upon her walls, and they shall be dried up. This is in Jeremiah 38. And I will drop her feet and make her springs dry. Jeremiah 51:36. However, the Babylon of today, the city of ancient times, has an abundance of water. One of the main reasons why it is difficult for archaeologists to excavate in Babylon is because of the high water table. Remains of earlier occupation in the old Babylonian period were uncovered only in a limited area owing to the high water ta- table. That was out of the Zon Pictorial Encyclopedia of Bible of the Bible, Volume One, page forty-four or four hundred and forty. I mean, a new ancient Babylon, but the professional excavators say their problem is digging up old Babylon of old Babylon are mainly caused by the water table being too high in the area. This is out of the Los Angeles Times, December 3rd, 1975. However, when the prophecies of Jeremiah come true, her water shall be dried up. That is another prophecy. Prophecy. I'm giving you prophecies to indicate what is um, going to be going on here. The destruction of the ba- of the Babylon Maya predicted also that none of its source stones would ever be reused again in the building of other structures. It says in Jeremiah 1, verse 26, and they shall not take of thee a stone for a corner, nor a stone for foundations, nor, nor thou shalt be desolate forever, saith the Lord. The prophecy says one stone was to be taken from Jeremiah's Babylon in the rebuilding of any other city. Yet, it is a known fact in ancient Babylon of Nebuchadnezzar that has been a reservoir of countless stones and bricks used in the building of numerous new towns up and down the Euphrates. In fact, buildings in hell, the city, I knew I had been here, of how far, but I couldn't remember that detail. Have built from used material from ancient Babylon. Other villages up and down through Euphrates have also reused from Babylon. These facts have been well known for generations. Benjamin Newton wrote in 1859 that many of the modern cities on Babylon were constructed from the old Babylon. Miss the great prophetic writer from England, and that's who he was, quoted a gentleman who visited the site in the year 1835. It is said that they shall not take of thee a stone for a corner, nor a stone for a foundation. Uh, Jeremiah 51. But the, the ruin of the buildings have, have been mainly accelerated the removal of materials which she was built for the construction of other towns and neighborhoods. Okay? 
AIDS to Prophetic Inquiry, Second Series, Volume 1, page 45. The same traveler also commented on the prophecy that no Arab would sent there. And here again, I'm, I'm emphasizing the estates. So you get an idea that this city has not been rebuilt, that it is prophesied to be destroyed. So in order for something to be destroyed, it has to be rebuilt. Same thing as in the uh, temple, where if the abomination of desolation has to take place in the temple at, in the last days, if the Antichrist is going to uh, cause the abomination to happen there, the temple has to be rebuilt. And we know today the temple is not rebuilt. So we know that Ezekiel, uh, the temple that was mentioned in there, is the, a new rebuilt temple that must come at the end of time. Okay, so and and even one of the one of the reasons we know that Ezekiel's temple is a rebuilt temple is that it has doors and curtains. That's a, that's kind of a little hint there of that, uh, that there's something different about this temple. And it is different than the other two temples that were built. So the that causes desolation must happen in the temple, at, and the Antichrist will sit there. It has to be rebuilt. The same, I believe, is true of Babylon. So in 1935, when I was there, I saw marks that I was not there, but I'm quoting somebody. Uh, I, I saw marks of Arab encampment, with encampment, which must have halted there for several weeks. Not only did Arab regularly, Arabs regularly encamp at Babylon, he also saw two villages besides, together with several gardens and plantations within the limits of the ruins of Babylon. That would be on page 45. Those two villages were still there when my wife, this per, Mr. Newton, is talking, and I were at the ruins of Babylon in 1972. Seeing that the prophecies had not been fulfilled in the manner described by Isaiah and Jeremiah, this early traveler made these final remarks. I present the Babylon that Babylon will be rebuilt and that she will then suddenly and finally be brought to ruin. Still out of the AIDS to Prophetic Inquiry, 2nd Series, Volume 1, page 45. B.W. Newton, the great prophetic writer from England, whose works were well known in the, the last half of the 19th century, also numerous evidences that Babylon on the had to be rebuilt. In fact, much of the essential teaching of Newton centered around the prophecies of the renewed Babylon to arise at the end of the age. Many prophetic teachers of the last century saw that Babylon had to have a new birth, and this was long before petroleum, the mainstay of modern industrial of the industrialized world, was found in gigantic quantities in the Middle East, which presently makes the spectator of a renewed Babylon, a very real thing. Arnold Frochtenbaum says this, I personally take the Bible more literally, so I would say that Babylon would be at the capital of the Antichrist. It would be both a political and economic capital, according to both Zechariah 5 as well as Revelation 18. His religious capital will be where he will set up his image in the Jewish temple where his economic and public capital will be Babylon, the city. 
Al Gist says this, I believe that Babylon will be his capital during his tribulation reign, possibly the events that we are seeing taking this right now in Iraq are leading up to that. Points of the world since our invasion in Iraq, and I don't know where this is going to lead or how it's going to develop. But I personally do believe that the revival of Babylon itself on the Euphrates of on the Euphrates River. Philip Goodman says this, and I'm just giving you an idea of what different people who are, you know, into prophecy are saying about this. The Bible speaks of a literal Babylon in the last days. If we are to take an example, take as an example the prophecy of the first coming of Jesus that he would be born in Bethlehem of Ephrathah, Micah 5, 2, very specifically a city and a messianic prophecy that was fulfilled literally, then we've got to take the prophecy that Babylon will be shown as that Babylon exists right along with Jerusalem and all the cities of the nations that are literal. And so is Babylon. The city of the nations will fall. Jerusalem will be split into three parts. Babylon will also fall at that time, very literally renderings, very literal renderings of that city. Jeremiah 50:45 it says this. It is taking talking about Babylon in the context of the last days of the end. Uh, and times it says that ba- that Babylon, in his purpose, which he has pro- proposed against the land of the Chaldeans, so the land of the Chaldeans is not Rome and it's not New York City. It, it is Babylon on the Euphrates. You come on down to verse 35 in chapter 51, and it tells us this: May the violence be done to me. May the violence done to me and to my flesh be upon Babylon. The inhabitant of Zion will say. The inhabitant of Jerusalem, the literal city of Jerusalem, will say, and upon the inhabitants of, the, of Chaldea. So we have a geopolitical destination for a literal Babylon in the last days. Babylon is going to be a mega city that Revelation 18 talks about, and it is going to be literal, and the whole economy of the world is centered in Babylon, and the Antichrist controls the economy of the world. The demand and the supply that he has on buying and selling that the scriptures say he will, then his capital will surely be Babylon in the last days. says Babylon was inhabited for much of the ancient history even after the Medes and the Persian conquered Babylon the Babylonian Empire in fact one writer records that about 100 AD under the name Hillel Babylon was enlarged and fortified okay and so it says anyone and if anyone has any doubt about it all one has to do is to take a trip to the area and see for himself. The prediction in Isaiah and Jeremiah cannot in any way be referring to an ancient to uh, to be referring to the ancient Babylon. Note what the prophets say. Now, 
um, says, So shall no man abide there, neither shall any son of man dwell there. And Jeremiah fifty forty, It shall be no more inhabited forever for the ages, Hebrew, because that's what that means. Neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation, Jeremiah fifty thirty nine. It shall not be inhabited, but it shall be wholly desolate, uh, Jeremiah fifty thirteen. And no one shall dwell therein, Jeremiah fifty verse three. It shall be without an inhabitant, in Jeremiah fifty one thirty seven. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation, Isaiah thirteen twenty. Her cities are a desolation, a dry land, a wilderness, a land wherein no man dwelleth, neither does any son man of man pass thereby. Jeremiah fifty one forty three. Yes, not only will the Arabians refuse to pitch their his tent in the ruins of this prophesied Babylon of, of the future, but no will dwell in its midst. Even all the land of Babylon, not only the city, but it will be utterly depopulated. Indeed, the Bible says that no man will even pass by the site in Jeremiah 4, 51, 43, in Isaiah 13, 21. This has not happened in history, but it endure. The reason the prophet, uh, the reason the prophets about, pro, sorry, the reasons the prophecies about Babylon and Isaiah and Jeremiah have happened is because they are reserved for the day of the Lord, a time. Instruction from the Almighty. Uh, behold, the day of the Lord comes. Okay. Um, looks like uh, I got bumped off again. So let's see. How I'll read Isaiah thirteen six and nine over again. Howl ye for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the Babylonian land desolate. Now, Isaiah said, this in my Babylon, the stars of heaven refuse to give their light, and the sun shall be darkened, verse 10. These heavenly signs have not yet occurred, yet they will happen in the day of the Lord when God's judgment upon Babylon arrives. This is the same day in which John the Apostle began to see the events recorded in the book of Revelation, verses one, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 10. All nations will then be judged when Christ returns. This is also the same time that Babylon on the Euphrates will receive the Okay, for those who are listening, I'll wrap it up here because I'm attending to have more uh, common uh, problems here. So I will 
end with a couple things, and then we'll continue next week uh, on pretty much the same topic, and I'll wrap it into uh, the subject of Islam. So uh, Jeremiah 50, verse 3 says, Out of the, the north there cometh a nation against her, which shall make her land desolate, and none shall dwell therein. They shall remove they shall remove, they shall depart, both man and beast. Not only the city, but all the land will become desolate. It, this is, is future to us. The next verse in Jeremiah explains what and when it will occur. Jeremiah 50, verse 4 and 5. In those days and in that time, says the Lord, the children of Israel shall come and they, they and the children of Judah together, going and weeping, they shall go and seek the Lord their God. They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces thitherward, saying, Come and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that shall not be forgotten. This covenant that both, house of, both houses of Israel are destined to make is the new covenant referred to by Jeremiah in verse, chapter 31, verse 31. There can be no other covenant because of the land of, of Babylon has never been empty of men yet nor has the land seen the complete desolation which Jeremiah prophesied. There can be no doubt about it. These scriptures await a future fulfillment in the day of the Lord. Only in the wake of that period would all Israel return to Zion. And we see this uh, as people are returning to Israel, the land of Israel, and weeping as they go, all of them unitedly saying, let us join ourselves to the Lord and have forgotten. Um, as a last attempt to show man's defiance to God, Babylon and also mysterious Babylon will be rebuilt. After all, it was at Babel that man first began his rebellion to uh, to God right after the flood in Genesis 11. Kingdoms, the virgin daughter of the Chaldeans, is this helping to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it restoring uh, the Tower of Babel, assisting proclamation? Of, is, is the restoring of the Tower of Babel assisting the proclamation of Jesus Christ and him crucified? If it is, I would like my readers to point out, you know, I would like, you know, my listeners to point out that the chapters and verses where it says it is. So this is uh, actually uh, some saying this, I'm quoting someone from the rebirth uh, of uh, Babylon. Um, <clears throat> now, a literal Babylon on the Euphrates known as Kerf is known for sorceries and great abundance and thine enchantments. In Isaiah 47:9, it is prophesied to arise. There will also be a mysterious one emerging as well. We're not going to get into today, um, but I have to say that I am convinced today, and also um, what I have been spending my my time with and studying that. Um, the, the the literal city of Babylon is going to be rebuilt. And so 
I hope that I gave you some information today. I hope you got through some of the places where, you know, I was out for a little bit trying to get back on. And I thank you for being patient with me as we go through all of this and discuss these things. Uh, and I thank you that you joined me on As the Day Approaches. If you want to uh, contact me, you can contact me at uh, my uh, website that I now have. Aries. It is a site that is under construction, so it is not completely uh done as I want it to be done yet, but I'm adding something quite often. Also, today, um, I know yesterday I tried to do my show and I had a lot of issues, so uh, today we're also having a live roundtable with Susan Puzio, um, uh Phil Armstrong, and Christine White about some uh issues that are going on in the world in the last days and the end time. So join us on Blog Talk Radio under Prophecy Zone uh, for the roundtable that will be discussing some of this, these things and I find a very interesting time uh, when we can all get together. We all have some differing views, but when we combine them together, we come up with uh, something to talk about, something to, to think about, and hopefully we'll do that for you. Also, you can uh, uh, befriend me on Facebook uh, under Brenda G. And I also have a false teaching uh, identifying them group that you can join and discuss issues. And uh, it's not a prophecy group, but it is a, a time where we discuss things. I thank you so much for joining me on As the Day Approaches. And I hope to see you next week. I don't know if it's going to be Friday or Saturday. I'm going to try to do it Friday, but if it, if I have a lot of Internet problems, I will try to do it Saturday. And I hope that you bear as we try to figure out what these problems are for me in the meantime uh, so that... Um, I'm sure there's spiritual warfare here. Thank you very much, and have a good day. Bye now.